Hello and welcome to the Christchurch Fox Chapel podcast. The fastest growing, conservative, evangelical, charismatic, Anglican podcast in the greater Fox Chapel area. And now, I'm proud to announce we are expanding to Sharpsburg. You are, we are recording from the Wolpies dining room. And I'm here with the wonderful, my wife, Stephanie Wolpe. Hi everyone. The one and only. Um, we have this beautiful window of time here where all of the kids are asleep or at least supposedly asleep. They told us they're asleep. So we, uh, these windows are rare and we have decided to give this time to you, dear listener, because we love you and <laughs> we love bedtime. So uh, we may be interrupted and that's okay. But uh, yeah, we will just see how this goes. We're going to study the word together, and I'm excited to have uh, Stephanie here with us. Alex is on vacation this week. We're praying for him to get good rest, and I forgot to ask Ben Hughes to record this with me <laughs> while he was in the office. So it's not that you're the second string, Stephanie, but uh, because you are always a joy and a pleasure to talk to, and you're brilliant and wonderful. You're digging a hole. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot to do yeah. this earlier, so you're getting you're paying the price. <laughs> but our listeners are reaping the rewards. I am, How about that? I am honored to serve the people of God. We are so grateful for your service. <laughs> uh, we are in First Thessalonians going through our, our series on what the gospel does, looking through this book. And we're in chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And... Stephanie, would you mind reading this for us, please? Certainly. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God, who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Amen. Thank you. So yeah, I, we kind of continue this train of thought that Paul started in chapter 1, where he's having to give a defense of his ministry to the Thessalonians, like somehow they've maybe walked away or uh, doubted Paul's leadership or his trustworthiness, and uh, he's kind of got to back up his authority and, and remind them of, of his ministry and its, its genuineness. Um, so this is a really, I, I find it actually a really fascinating passage as a minister. Um, and you and I are both professional ministry people. I'm a pastor and you're a campus minister. Um, but I, this applies to all Christians, I think in some ways, I, what do you think? How do you read this uh, as it applies to all of us? Yeah, I just, I think it's, I don't know if this is exactly answering answering your question. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> okay. Um, 
But one of the things that's just, that it's really interesting in what he's doing is the number of times he says, as you know, for you yourselves know. Mm. And um, it feels like he's trying to find common ground. It's like, you know, I, I think about like when I'm, when I'm in some kind of a conflict with somebody, whether it's you or a friend or a coworker or, you know, whoever that person is, it's like, what a, what's a classic way to begin conflict resolution? It's to find common ground. What can you yeah. agree on? Find the facts that everybody can say, yes, that happened. Like, yes, I, I, did, I did hear that, Paul, that you were shamefully treated at Philippi or, or whatever. And then, and then going from there. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, that's great. I, I think that he's definitely trying to work this as an argument. And then, yeah, by reminding them of... Uh, what they already know and and going from there um yeah so i my question my question if a minute ago was a leading question and uh <laughs> in terms of like yeah this this clearly applies to more than just us yeah and more than just alex or ben or anyone else who's ordained or gets paid to do ministry like we're all ministers of the gospel and we're all called to this ministry and i think that uh Paul's kind of giving a description of what a gospel ministry is. And like, when we ask what the gospel does, it equips us for ministry and, and shapes us to do the ministry that God's called us to do and to engage with the world, no matter on what level that is, you know, whether we're paid to do it or whether we're doing it in our workplace or on social media or, uh, with our neighbors. Um, we're all called to engage the world with the gospel. And I think this kind of helps shape, our approach to that, um, which I think a lot of us need to read and be convicted by. <laughs> I'm, I've certainly been convicted by this as I've been studying it. I'm preaching this weekend. Um, yeah, I have a lot to grow in terms of how I approach the world with the gospel um, and what that means. I think one of the one of the things that I I'm really struck by as I'm looking at this and rereading this is. Paul is a man who knows who he is. Like he is, uh, he is a man who has been named and called by God. Mm. Um, and that's something that I know I need to be reminded of and not, not as a campus minister so much as just a person as a woman who's trying to live my life in so many, so many of the kind of the, the walls that I come up against. I find myself needing to come back to the Lord and saying, who am I? Who, who do you say that I am? Mm. Um, and because Paul down here says, uh, let me find it. Like all, all that they do is, is to please God who tests our hearts and that he is they're They're looking to, to honor the Lord. They're not looking for glory for man. They're not looking for approval. They're not even looking for, for acceptance, much less any of those other things. And you can only you can only really do that if you know who you are, and if you're so confident that uh, that the Lord knows who you are, that the Lord has named you, and that that is enough, mm. that then that becomes the basis for anything else. And that's something I think we can all we can all take from this. Yeah. That we need to know who we are. We need to know who the Lord has made us to be, and out of that comes our mission. Out of that comes the ministry that each of us have been given, whether it's it's professional vocational ministry or any other kind of ministry that the Lord has entrusted to us. It always starts with the anointing of God, the calling of God, the naming by God 
of who we are. Yeah, that's great. That's really great. And I think that that's where the trying to please God then comes from. Like God's mm-hmm. called us, God's anointed us, God's named us. And so our response to him is like everything we do is directed toward him first and foremost, trying to please him, not trying to please the world. And I think when we mm-hmm. have that confidence in who we are and who God's made us to be, we're not looking for approval. We're not from other people. We're not looking to define ourselves based on how others perceive us, which is just a common problem we come up against again and again. And, you know, I, I tend to want to try to define myself on how other people see me or adjust my behavior based on how other people think about me or, or I'm that I might think they perceive, uh, about me. Um, but really there's just one person I'm trying to please. And he's the one who created me and knows me inside and out, flaws and all. And he redeemed me and he has called me to this and he's empowered me for this. And I'm trying to please no one else. And, you know, when we live into that, that can be a really freeing thing. I'm trying to do that. I'm not very good at that. Because the funny thing is he's already pleased because we've said yes. And so it's like, yes, we... uh, It's like any, any healthy relationship where it's like, you know, we... Um, we receive love and we give love back. At, I don't even know exactly where the circle starts because it becomes irrelevant at a certain point. It's like the Lord is yeah. already, the Lord is already pleased and delighted with us, and this whole thing comes out of His pleasure and delight in us. Therefore, we try to please and delight the Lord, mm. and but we don't need to, but we do. And yeah, it, yeah. So maybe then the, trying to please God is really for our sake. What does that mean? Well, because like if we're just trying to please God, then it frees us from yes. the okay. tyranny of others' perceptions of us mm-hmm. and the tyranny of trying to define ourselves based on other people's approval, which can be uh, brutal yeah, and can be destructive and can leave you without having any idea of who you really are at the end of the day. Yeah. But you're... You're trying to please the one who is already pleased. Mm. And like, how freeing is that? Like yeah. there's nothing, there's nothing really to win there. Yeah. <laughs> if we have the identity of Christ, we take on that identity of Christ where God says, this is my beloved child, mm-hmm. my beloved son, my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Yeah. Like he that's ours. Said, that's our, that's claimed over us. He already says that over us in our baptism. Yeah. Like that was given to us as a gift of grace. Ooh, you're um, preaching to me. Oh, great. Yeah. This you, is can do, what, you can do the sermon on Sunday. This is what a godly marriage will do. I love it. Yeah, I'll do the sermon on Sunday. I'll try to be, uh, I'll try to preach like you. Um, <laughs> so, so what else, what else characterizes Paul's ministry and his approach to the world that we can, uh, can glean from, do you think? I need a minute. So if That's you have okay. something, go for it. Well, I, there's a few things that stick out to me, like the boldness that, uh, he says in verse two, um, even in conflict, there's there's a bold proclamation of this most important gospel, and that's urgent and that everyone needs to hear. And it's also done with truth and integrity. Like there's no, our appeal doesn't spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. Um, like, uh, you know, as we engage the world, I think we need to do that from a place of integrity and honesty, um, not trying to deceive, not trying to like. Uh, bait and switch anybody or like come at, come at it with gimmicks um, or false marketing <laughs> that uh, some of us sometimes are guilty of, some churches can be guilty of. 
Um, but yeah, I think there's a place of, of honesty and integrity that our, our ministry needs to depend on. Isn't there somewhere else in one of the epistles as well where it said that actually Paul was not a particularly great speaker? Yeah. Which I found bizarre when I first heard that because, like, you know, I he has all these letters that got included in the Bible. It's like, good job, Paul. Like, <laughs> you really racked up a good number there. So I think I just automatically made this assumption. It's like, wow, Paul is a great communicator. His writing is actually a little weird sometimes, and it's it takes a lot to unpack. It's pretty complicated, and I yeah. don't know anything about writing in Greek, so maybe it's very sophisticated in Greek. Hooray! But um, at some point in one of the in one of the letters, I think there's a reference to saying that that Paul's speech was actually not particularly winning. He's not a particularly attractive person either yeah. in body or voice. Yeah, and there's and in that the Lord's power had to be so evident through him because it obviously wasn't his um, his speaking skills that won converts. It wasn't his impressive person that, um, you know, this particularly impressive and powerful leader that people wanted to, to follow. He was, he was a signpost and a signpost in his body and speech as well because those weren't that attractive, but he had to point to Christ. Um, yeah. And so just this is this is just reminding me of that of like the that the the speech the gospel proclamation itself it's like it's not about flair it's not about flattery it's not about you know making people feel good enough so that you can slide the truth in there when they're yep. not noticing yeah um, you know the spoonful of sugar <laughs> um, it's like no it's actually the gospel itself is enough the gospel itself is beautiful enough and true enough and good enough. And the Holy Spirit is in that to capture our hearts, um, and that's a good that's a good reminder for me, like both like as a campus minister, but also as a mom, when I think about how I how I try to speak the gospel to my kids. It's like I don't. Sometimes I worry about convincing convincing my kids. You know, have I have <laughs> I done enough to win win my kids' attention or win their interest? Is the gospel exciting enough? The gospel is enough. I don't need to dress it up. Yeah. I just need to speak the gospel. I need to embody the gospel to my kids and trust that the Holy Spirit, that I have the same Holy Spirit that Paul had, and that that, that is enough for my kids. Yeah. Well, that's great. And I think wherever we are, that's the gospel is powerful enough to stand on its own and to not need extra dressings or not need our our own uh wisdom or charisma to 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 make it fancier or more palatable for people um and i yeah i think one of our problems in the church today is we uh, there's a lot of people who try to just make the gospel more palatable for society whether it's changing doctrine or trying to flare it up with lights and fog machines or or whatever but like yeah, the gospel is enough. That's that's a great reminder and uh, really important for us. Yeah, we did not come with flatter, words of flattery nor a pretext for greed. We didn't seek glory from people. Um, verse 7, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Like, I, you know, the because the gospel is big enough, it allows for us to be gentle and not coercive not forceful but just uh to love people and i 
because the gospel is so great, it just frees us up to have that kind of gentleness and love and care uh, for people. And Paul, Paul ties that together in verse 8 as well, like what you were just saying. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves yeah. because you had become very dear to us. And it's this, it's this wholehearted giving of everything that Paul has to give uh, because of his love for this church and for the men and women in it. That What does Paul have to give? He has to give himself and the gospel. Yeah. And he says, I, I want you to have it all. Like, have me, have God, have the gospel. There's there's nothing more that I can give. Um, but all of that comes out of out of this desire to love them well. Yeah. And yeah, and the, I'm struck by the fact that the gospel can't be detached from our lives. Like, it, he's preaching the gospel and he's bringing it to them, but he also brings his whole self because his whole self is what has been is the witness to the gospel, his whole life and everything that he is. And is this whole life investment in other people. That's not just a detached. Okay. I, I spoke this message to you. Now I'm out of here. Peace. Do with it as you will. Um, and, but he's, he's really going all in and investing and sharing his own life for the sake of the gospel. Uh, and I, I think I'm just struck by how this can be costly to us. And this is like a high call of like, this is quite the investment. And um, yeah, I don't know. What do you make of that? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Putting you on the spot. All right. That's okay. I have a gift for doing that. Um, (laughs) So maybe this is just my own uh, reading into it, but I find myself a little bit of like in reading that with a little bit of fear and trembling of just, this is a high investment uh, matter that I've gotten myself into here. (laughs) And uh, it's not a detached um, individualized thing that I can just uh, do my do it on my own terms, but it's sharing my own, my whole life and all that I am for the sake of other people, for the sake of the gospel. I think there's also a freedom in that as well. There's the challenge, which you're, which you're pulling out, but I think there's also a, a freedom for, I think those of us, um, I'm sure all of us experience this in different ways at different times in our lives in saying like, well, I don't, I don't have to offer what this other person has to offer. Like, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not ordained or I'm really busy or I'm at home a lot. Like I'm at home with my little kids or whatever the, whatever the, um, the not enoughness is. Like when you say that, that all of our, like all of our lives can be given over to the Lord. All of our lives can proclaim the gospel to me that that's also an encouragement in saying there's no part of my life that's wasted. Mm. Um, there's no part of my life that, that cannot proclaim the gospel. I actually don't just, I don't need a public platform in order to be a disciple of Christ. I yeah. don't need a public platform to necessarily be a missionary or to embody the gospel. But in giving myself, whatever myself is this year, like what I'm, what I'm doing with my life right now is very different from what I was doing with it five years ago. Yeah. And it's very different, I'm assuming, from what I'll be doing it with it five or ten years from now in the future. But God can handle it. Yeah. And and when I, to, to me, there's an invitation here in saying, you know, when 
Paul is giving is giving all of himself, which meant that all of himself could proclaim the gospel. And yeah. all of me can proclaim the gospel as well. Like not just the public ministry face, which I do have with a few hours of my week every week, but but the Lord wants all of it and the Lord can use all of it. And that's that's encouraging to me. And like how much of scripture is that? Like both both a word of challenge and a word of freedom. And sometimes we need both, sometimes we need one, but the Holy Spirit's busy and this is the word of God. And yeah, there's a challenge and a freedom here for us. Mm. I think you just crescendoed us into a finale. Great. I think that I think that was an excellent final word for us to end on. So thank you very much. Praise the Lord for uh, that. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the Los Yetis back on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I bet we're gonna get a lot of requests for Stephanie to appear on the podcast many times here on out. I think you should just preach this weekend. How does no. that sound? No. 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 Okay. Maybe we'll get you sometime. But this has been a podcast of Christ Church Fox Chapel. Thanks so much for joining us. And maybe next week we'll be back in actual Fox Chapel. We'll see. God bless you all. Bye.